that you're going to give to him when he turns 18. I want you to write a letter to your daughter okay. for when she turns 18. Wow. Uh, wow. Oh, my son's only four years old, so this will be interesting. Dear Olivia. Dear Mason, you won't read this letter for six years, and a lot could change between now and then. Hopefully, you've learned by now that it's important to put on clothes before you go outside. Maybe you've learned that vegetables are your friends. I sincerely hope that all of the dabbing has finally stopped. And also that it's pronounced mac and cheese, not monkey cheese, mac and cheese. You dream of becoming a famous singer, so thank you in advance for all the free concert tickets. Is this still your goal to be a professional YouTuber? I know you were hoping to become a giraffe when you grew up, but hopefully you have some even better career options now. It hasn't always been easy. I sat on a piece of gum you left on a chair yesterday and didn't find out until after work. The dishes really do go in a dishwasher. It's not like a metaphor or something. Remember when you cut your own hair and then you tried to fix it? Basically, I didn't sleep for three years straight. But I can tell you this. Despite all the struggles, all the tears, it was completely worth it. And I would do it again a hundred times over for you. You are a gift and a blessing. You've changed my life. You are beautiful and strong. You have so much energy in life, and I can already see how incredibly smart and fearless you are. More than anything, I want you to know that I love you. I'm here for you, whatever you need. You have made me so proud. And I am excited to see how God uses your life. You're ready to take on the world. all my heart. Love always. Dad. 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 Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. You know, this is again uh, well, some of us, we've had some good dads. And some of us, well, our dads maybe haven't even been around very much. But what we do on a day like today is to be able to reflect not only about our earthly dads, and hopefully they did a few things right, but really on our heavenly father we have an amazing dad that lives up in heaven and we can focus on him and learn from him and be comforted from him and and again i am just so grateful to be just somebody who gets to talk on his behalf for each of us you know, we're in the middle, well, not true. We're at the end of our series called The Story. Saul met Jesus and was totally transformed. In fact, it was all about Jesus 2,000 years ago. 
And it's all about Jesus right now. Because when Jesus comes into our lives, everything changes. Our perspective, our understanding, what we live for. Jesus changes it all. Now, we looked at Paul last week, and we saw in Acts chapter 9 that he totally changed. A guy who was out to murder Christians, a guy who was out to destroy the church. He meets Jesus on the road. His life is totally, totally changed. He becomes one of the greatest missionaries of all time. Saul's name was changed to Paul. And the apostle soon became a major kingdom player. Last week, I ended my talk sharing about how Paul inspired me. He was overwhelmed by God's grace. And I think sometimes, especially those who have known Jesus for a really long time, become casual toward God's grace. We don't do it intentionally, but we seriously forget that once we were dead. (laughs) Now we're alive. Once we had no access to God, and now we can talk to God at any time. Once, well, we didn't have a purpose to live, or our purpose was really self-centered. But we saw soon that that didn't satisfy us. So God gave us a purpose. This is all pretty exciting. We also know that Paul was all in. And as I was thinking this last week, as I was kind of preparing for this week's message, I think sometimes all inners, well, I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. All inners, well, they always don't inspire us. Sometimes they intimidate us. Sometimes we look at that and say, I will never attain to that, or I can't do this. And, and okay, this guy was really super dedicated, but, but for me, I'm just kind of a normal guy. I'm a normal gal. But one thing I did see is that there's always areas for me to grow in. I saw that Paul planted and equipped and he sent out and he encouraged churches. He desired to have believers conform to Christ's image. He knew that as God chips away the things that don't reflect God well, what happens is that we actually lose out of living abundantly. He endured. Oh my, he endured. He wrote for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and shared with us some of the things that happened to him. Last week we mentioned one thing about Paul traveling 10,000 miles in about 20 years' time. Now to us that may not be too big of a deal until we realize he walked or he went in a boat. And that goofy video I showed, I had more people talk to me and said, Rick, I had no clue. I've been reading these letters like forever. I had no clue that Paul really traveled all 
that way. Let's put it in perspective. Let's say he walked about half of the 10,000. Half he traveled by boat. So about 5,000 miles he walked. Now, if there are approximately 2,000 steps per mile, and you guys all, some of you have gadgets to measure your steps. Oh, ah, you know, I got 6,000 today. Oh, good job, good job. I got 8,000 today. Ah, that's awesome, man. You really were walking a lot. Well, Paul literally, if that's the case, walked 10 million steps. In fact, I calculated this on a calculator, and I literally showed my wife. I said, honey, how many steps are these? There are so many zeros, I'm not even sure if I even know how many zeros these are. She says, Rick, it's 10 10 million. Okay, honey, thank you. So I have it from the horse's mouth. 10, excuse me, that didn't sound good. I have it from great authority that it's 10 million steps. The guy was crazy. All right? He was. The scriptures tell us he was imprisoned. He was whipped. Didn't even know how many times he was whipped. And then he says, I was rotted three times. Long, hard, flexible sticks that wrap around and leave huge welts. He said, I was scourged five times. That's what the cat of nine tails with bits of glass and metal and stone where when it hits your back, they literally rip the flesh off. It's what happened to Jesus right before he was crucified. Paul had it done five times. He said he was stoned. He was, in other words, rocked and assumed dead. He was shipwrecked three times. That is not fun if you've ever been shipwrecked. He faced dangers, he said, dangers of rivers and robbers and cities and even friends that kind of went south on him. I don't know what all that means, but I know it was hard. There were sleepless nights, he said. He was hungry and he was thirsty and cold. Plus, on top of that, he carried the burdens of all those churches that he started. He just wanted them to walk with God. He just wanted them to hear from God. He just wanted them to live the abundant life. And Paul was absolutely passionate on it. He could not stop. He had to go from place to place to place, setting up churches and organizing with elders and deacons and helping the church thrive. And right now, he's enjoying eternity. Another thing that a few of you responded to to me um, over the last week was the sentence, the wases determine the is. And it's on the screen again, but, but Paul was overwhelmed by God's grace. He responded to God's grace. He was a son of God. Paul was all in. He recognized that life was short, and and he passionately pursued it and equipped and encouraged and strengthened the church. And as a result, he now, he is a son who invested well and is right now enjoying eternity. That's 2,000 years ago. And again, if he chose to just 
focus on himself. Make sure he had a good house, some good toys, some great food, and just determined to care for him. He might be in heaven right now, I don't know. But I know now he is basking in God's presence. How cool is that? We're going to finish today and focus on someone who finished well. He finished well. Let's pray. Father, today is Father's Day. And we know, God, that all of our earthly fathers, they have kinks in their armor. Some of them really helped us love you well. Some of us didn't. But I ask you, dear God, that you would watch over all of the folks in our fellowship right here. Lord, in spite of, of maybe dads that miss the mark, we just want to thank you for those that are not, for those who are walking with you, for those who are pointing their kids and supporting their wife and, and doing their jobs and you, being used in amazing ways. Lord, we look at even in the church where so many people have been fathers to us, have encouraged us and strengthened us in your word and served us well. We just, we just really want to say thank you. And we pray now, Father, as, as we open your word and we look at Paul, really a hero, help us understand what's important in life. Would each one of us, Lord, finish well? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul went on three missionary journeys. On his third and last missionary journey, he stayed in Ephesus over three years. And you can look that up in Acts chapter 19. After he was finished with his stay at the church at Ephesus, he basically headed off to Macedonia, Greece, and Troas. On Paul's trip back to Jerusalem when he was going home, he stopped at the port of Miletus, and he sent word. He had just left just months before that the church at Ephesus. But he sort of knew. He thought he knew. He might not see them ever again. So he called and sent a note ahead and, and said, Elders, would you meet me at the port? I'm on my way back to Jerusalem, but I just want to have some words with you. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 20. These are Paul's last ministry words to the elders, to the shepherds that he worked with for three Years. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. And when he or when they arrived, he declared, You know, elders, that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. Wow. I, again, I need to pause. Paul. Unbelievable servant of God. And he just said, I served you. I humbly cared for you. And I cried a lot. I cried a lot in your presence. 
I think his tears were because people weren't responding to God. They weren't missing out. Back to the text. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what is needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for the Jews and the Greeks of life, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't even know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in, the sit, in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. If any of you have ever received a note from me or an email from me, you'll always see Acts 20, 24 written. It'll be by my signature. It is something that has impacted me for years and years and years. How the apostle just literally, as he saw his mission, and his heart was, my life isn't important. God, my life is in your hands. I just want you to know that. And, and I want to finish. This was actually about 10 years before he died. But he goes, I just want to finish the race. You've given me a race. I just want to finish. And I get to, for all the time that I'm around, get to tell people how amazing God's grace is. Remember I said that he was overwhelmed by God's grace? He never got tired of it. And I think, again, for each one of us, if for some reason we get tired of God's grace, if God's grace just doesn't move us, if God's grace is just something that Well, it's out there. It's just a red flag. Go back and remember all that God has done. In verse 25, he says, And now, he's still speaking to these elders, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom. It's interesting to me he didn't say preach the gospel. But he told them the whole kingdom. The gospel is part of the kingdom news. It's the good news. But he preached He says, verse 26, I declare today that I've been faithful. And if anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Oh, my word. Paul just said, if anyone dies not knowing Jesus, it's not because I didn't tell them. Oh. Wow. He is my hero. Because I look back even days, not even weeks, and just see some missed opportunities I had. And then he talks specifically to the elders. And and just so you know, our elders have been meeting, and our elders have literally been meditating and memorizing verse 28. And he says this, So you elders, guard yourselves and guard God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. 
And now in verse 32, and now I entrust you to God. And the message of His grace, he just keeps talking about it, that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Down in verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in verse 36, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried and embraced and kissed him goodbye. Oh, they loved Paul. And if you read, he corrected and he encouraged and he strengthened and he boldly shared with them. He unleashed them. He equipped them. But there's something about a shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. And they're going to miss him. Now, I don't know if Paul missed them. I, I think he did, but, but they were going to miss Paul. You know, Paul's last 10 years of his life flew by. And I was just kind of thinking, my dad had a major heart attack 10 years before he died. And actually, for the folks that knew my dad before his major heart attack and after his major heart attack, he was really a different person. It changed him. God was continually working in him. But I know this. It seemed the last 10 years of his life, I listened better. I was already a much older and mature son by then. But I listened differently. And I don't know if Paul knew he only had 10 years left. But this is what happened in his last 10 years. He used letters to teach, encourage, correct, and inspire. And he wrote at least 13 of them. And maybe some folks think he also wrote Hebrews, which would be 14 God-inspired letters. Now, although emails and texts are all really important, letters or notes just make us feel special. That's almost why I did the bumper I did. And not to say, because some of your kids may be all grown up by now. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't even have any kids. Or maybe you've got young ones at home. But one of the things I know is that there are certain things we want for our kids. And although it would be great if they get the right spouse and they get the right job and they get the right neighborhood and they have healthy kids, and those are all really nice. But I bet if you wrote a letter to your son or your daughter, And you knew you were going to die. I bet it wouldn't be about that. It just wouldn't. Hey, hope you get that car. Who cares? And this is what Paul did. He kept focusing on the important. On what would last. How cool is that? Really? Remember, Paul came to faith about 30 years old. He planted 
churches 13 years later. He ministered 20 years from that time on. He wrote his first inspired letter to the church in Galatians, Galatia, about A.D. 50. And again, I'm not trying to make you history buffs. I'm just trying to help you put this in perspective. Now, during his first Roman prison term in A.D. 62, Paul would probably die within four or five years now. But he wrote the prison epistles while he was in jail. And they would be Philippians, Philemon, and and, and Ephesians, and Colossians. When he got out of jail, the next year he wrote to two pastors. He wrote to Timothy and Titus. Titus he left in Crete, which is an island. And I'd like you to turn to Titus with me, if you would. Because again, out of all the things he's sharing, starting at at chapter 2, verse 10, this is what Paul thinks is important. Excuse me, I'm going to start verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed. (laughs) The grace of God. Grace of God. Oh, my word. The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward to the hope, to that day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He's overwhelmed with grace. Look at verse 14. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Titus, verse 15, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Titus, this is so important. God's grace is amazing. His salvation is unbelievable. Don't let the people forget it. You were justified. You're being sanctified. You're going to be glorified. Don't let them forget that. This is amazing. And you are left here on the planet to do good works. Not to please God, but because you love God. That's what we're here for. Don't stop, Titus. And then jump to chapter 3. Starting at verse 4, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, again, all about grace, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He (laughs) generously poured out the Spirit among us through Jesus Christ our Savior, because his grace has made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Look what he says, verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying, or these are important words. I want you to insist 
on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. Titus, this is what I want you to do. Then he jumps over to Timothy. He writes this book at the same time. Go to 1 Timothy, if you would. And we're going to start at verse, or, or at chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I'm writing these things to you, Timothy. And Timothy, by the way, is in Ephesus. He's the pastor there. I want you to know these things, even though I hope to be with you soon, that if I'm delayed, which he was, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. And then chapter 1. And, and I know you, we like to go in chronological order here, but that's okay. Chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Timothy, my son, here are instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in God's battles. Then he said this, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Jump to the end, chapter 6. And again, I wish in, in some ways we'd just go verse by verse, you know. But we're given this big picture of the story and, and how amazing our God is. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 11, But you, Timothy, you're a man of God. Remember, he's a pastor. He's leading the most successful church on the planet at this moment. All right? He says, So you, Timothy, run from all evil things. I want you to know, you run. I want you to pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Verse 12, really important. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight for true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Jesus Christ who gave a good testimony for Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. <laughs> Paul then wrote his second letter to Timothy. You're all right there. Just go to 2 Timothy. But he wrote the second letter from a dark, damp Roman prison cell during his second Roman incarceration. It would be his last recorded words. This is it. He writes this letter. It could be days. It could be weeks. Probably not even months. Before Nero beheads him. Because Nero could do stuff like that. But Paul knew that Timothy's task of keeping the church within boundaries of sound doctrine while encouraging believers to live their life well for the sake of Christ would be often a thankless and difficult The most striking feature of Paul's encouragement comes when this aging apostle used a phrase that showed up prominently in his letter to Timothy four years before, or in 1 Timothy. Only this time, Paul makes it personal. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 1, 
verse 13. Hold on to the pattern again. Weeks before his death, what's he going to talk about? How's he going to encourage this young man? What's important? Timothy, verse 13, hold on (laughs) to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. You saw it? A pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth, God's Word, all right, that has been entrusted to you. Then look at chapter 2, verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, is as intimate as he could get right now. Be strong through the grace. <laughs> grace, grace. Be strong in the grace. Be strong. Make sure you understand God's grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2. You have heard me teach. And you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, Timothy, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So many of you have wished me a happy birthday, and and I'm very grateful. And I don't want to focus on the birthday. But what I want to focus on, there were a few Facebook messages and one of the Facebook messages, and as you know, I'm, I'm like really slow in Facebook, folks. I'm going to grow in the art of Facebook, but not at the moment. And I had a colleague of many years ago write me. And he just said, oh, Rick, I want to thank you for investing in a young man named Chad. Because Chad has been spending time with my son. I want to thank you for investing in Chad so that my son is growing in the Lord. You know, I look over the years. I always didn't invest in Chad's well. But this one ended up pretty well. But that's what God wants. God wants us to be able to invest in people who will invest in people who will invest in people. Remember, this is his last words. So I don't even know what you're investing in. But I know this, is that our call is to invest in faithful men who will then invest in others. And that's called making disciples. Then in verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15, this is the, the, basically the key verse of the whole Awana program, all right? Approved workmen are not ashamed. You think Awana is like a really cool name. Actually, it is, but it comes from 2 Timothy 2.15. And this is what Paul writes, work hard, Timothy, so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one that does not need to be ashamed, and one that correctly interprets God's Word, one that knows God's Word, one that interprets it and listens, and I'm just going to say obeys. 
Amazing. And then chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. What is this with Paul? what's, What's the deal? What's about this teaching? What's about this God's word? Why is it so important? But he goes on. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true. You know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. If you pick up God's Word, which I do, and you understand that this is a message from God, which it is, and you casually open it and do your verse for a day so that you know, kind of vitamin pill. We're missing out. We're missing out. We just are. This thing is amazing. God wrote us so that we might be corrected. And honestly, if you read the Word of God and you don't go away convicted at times, I don't know. Because it convicts you. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about loving. It talks, and all of us need lessons in that. It does. It encourages us. It pumps our tires. It helps us keep moving. It focuses us. It helps us make right priorities. Gives us wisdom so that we make great choices. And helps us talk about important things. Yeah. Wow. And then chapter 4. Rick, why don't you just read the whole thing? No, I won't. But chapter 4, verse 2. Again, last word. I just want to put it in perspective. Timothy, preach the word. Whoa, what is with you, Paul? I just want to say, the word of God is critical. He says, preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Let me just say this. I don't know if you get good teaching every week. All right, here. But I'm going to tell you, this is what good teaching is. Good teaching is staying in God's word, correcting, rebuking, and encouraging. And every week, if you are not corrected, rebuked or encouraged then your pastor is not teaching good actually it's terrible english well well all right (laughs) i'm from chicago what can i say um but that's what god is telling timothy preach it baby and make sure you follow what it says here Because if you do, it'll correct, it'll rebuke, and it will encourage. And I'll tell you, that's hard sometimes. It is. It's hard. But what Timothy ends up 
like I said, the most striking feature of Paul's encouragement comes when this aging apostle flips things around. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 6. And I put it up on the screen because I just want you to see it. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. (laughs) I've finished the race. And I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly love his appearing. The words are changed from fight the good fight, Timothy, to I have fought the good fight. I don't know how long God has you on this planet. But this is the goal. When you breathe your last breath, how much you've made, how famous you are, how many books you've written, not going to mean squat. Have you finished the race well? Have you walked with God? Have you helped others Love Jesus. Have you remained faithful to your God? Whoa. What an encouragement it must have been to this young pastor of the church at Ephesus to know that his mentor boldly modeled his perseverance and faith even to the point of death. Let me wrap up by saying this. Paul was saved at 30. Some of us in this room were saved at 4 or 5 or 6. Sometimes I think it's a little of a disadvantage. It shouldn't be. But it is. Because we get comfortable. It's so exciting sometimes I hang out with a 30-year-old that just understands what God's grace was, just responded, could not believe all that God is giving him or her. You know, our youth pastor is a little bit like that. He got saved just a little bit later in life. You talk to him about the gospel. Oh, my word. And he's up there with our high school kids right now at Silver Birch Ranch. Oh, yeah, that is sweet. We've got some other great, amazing leaders up there, too, and we're going to be praying for all of them in a second. But I just am so grateful for people that love Jesus with all their heart and follow. You know, in in one of my groups last Friday night, we were just talking out of Philippians chapter 3. And one of the verses, verse 17, Paul writes this, and this is during his prison epistles, but it just hit me this morning. He said, I want you to pattern your life after me. Wow. Either Paul's really arrogant or he has walked with God so long 
He loves Jesus so amazing, all right? He wants everyone to experience abundant living and to invest well. I would love to say that. I would love to say, pattern your life after me. Not because I'm really smart, but because I walk with God. And I want you to enjoy that too. Your pastor's growing. And someday he will say that. There's 20 years of ministry. We talked about all the travels he did. We talked about his passion. We talked about his suffering. Who would do any of that stuff unless Paul was just so convinced? (laughs) You're amazing, God. You're so amazing. And then he saw his Lord at 62. I don't know what it's like to be beheaded. I guess if you have a choice, it's not a bad way to go. You know? And you see Jesus. Right? But right now, he is still enjoying God. How cool. Because 2,000 years from now, you're not going to be around, folks. (laughs) Just letting you know. This is not news for any of you. But if you follow Jesus, you love Jesus, you're listening to Jesus, you're, you're, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You know, Paul was a hero. But there are more in the, Old, in the New Testament and Old Testament we haven't covered. There's Peter and there's James and there's John and there's Jude, all these guys. And even now, some are even heroes in, in our midst, are walking with God, whether they're moms or dads. But Men, today, as you leave, we're going to give you a very, very special gift. It's a pen. All right? It's a pen with some writing on it. It's a pen that just kind of encourages you to stay connected with God. Because that's what's important. And even if you're not a dad, we're not going to, you know, like ask your credentials on the way out. Because Paul talked about himself being a dad, and we don't even know if he was a spiritual dad, one who encouraged and strengthened. In 1 Thessalonians, we see that. As I said in the beginning, all inners are intimidating. But we can learn from Paul, who was all in. And I hope you've been convicted and you've been encouraged and you've been rebuked today. You know, God's story is amazing. And if we look over these last 34 weeks, I hope you are more excited to get to know your God. That you see from Genesis to Revelation, He is amazing God. Next week, we finish up. We focus on the last book of the Bible. We look at Revelation and see some of the amazing things that that are planned for all the believers. You know, 
if you don't know Jesus today, if you're not walking with Jesus today, don't leave. Don't, please. Talk to God now. Talk to God now. We're going to have people up here if you want someone to pray with. And I know it's Father's Day, and I don't want to keep you, but this may be the most important decision you'll ever make. Let's continue to worship now because Christ is enough. Father, we come before you because you are an amazing God. We love you with all of our hearts. We know, Lord, in some ways we, we see some of the folks that went on before us and how much they loved you and how much they sacrificed. We ask you, God, that you would teach each one of us to trust you and to love you more every day. In Jesus' name.